Voice of Fintech. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're talking to William. William is the founder and the managing director of Exige, which is a search firm focused on finding talent in the financial services and fintech. And we're going to talk about how to find your co-founders and build efficient teams so that you can maximize your chances of succeeding. So welcome, William. How are you today? Hi, Rudy. I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Why have you decided to go into the search business? Okay, yeah, so um, I'm the Managing Director of Exige International. I'm a father to three wonderful children, Joshua, Edward, and Isabella. I have a wonderful wife, Fiona, who's also my partner in the business, and I have a team of fantastic consultants, Samantha, Matthew, and Emma, who, and we form what is Exige International. I started Exige back in 2001, after three years in exec search. I started it like a bootstrap organization, so I was sleeping on my cousin's couch. I was, had my laptop and phone in his, on his table in his apartment, and I set about finding clients and making sales, and then really grew the business to where we are now with Exige. So what is Exige today? How does it work? Of course, you know, there's been huge changes, especially um, in recruitment for financial services post-crisis. Mm-hmm. How has that affected you? Have you had to change your business model or what is your niche? What is your unique advantage? What I like to describe Exige is a socially minded for-profit search firm, right? So we're really focused on delivering a high quality bespoke service for our clients in identifying talent. And we do all of this from Devon, UK, but the focus of our markets are UK and Switzerland. So we have a Swiss recruitment license we operate here in Switzerland. We do a lot of work for Swiss organizations, but also in the UK. To sort of define what we are, we are a financial services focused firm where we with the work for insurtech, fintech companies, and um, working for the innovation units of old legacy financial institutions as well. In answer to your other question about, about Brexit, no, 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 sorry, not to Brexit yet. Oh. I'm going back to 2008, okay. right, where basically what I've seen is that a lot of the banks, they, they took the former headhunters in-house as in-house mm. recruiters. They say, we don't accept any CVs from the agencies, things like that. So then the recruiters of a certain target group basically are focusing on second-tier and lower-tier banks or then there are the firms who focus on the executive talent, or then there are firms who focus on some specific niche technical competency and things like that. Mm. Which one of these have you focused on mm. in your business, or maybe none of those? You know what? I'm, I'm all about talent, right? Talent talks. If you've got a great person, an organization generally will talk to you. So that's what we do. Okay. Um, first and foremost. But you're right, the, the market has fundamentally changed. With the advent of things like LinkedIn, internal recruitment teams can, can be built because there's always a ready access to information of teams out there. So with that democratization of data, became there's come a change in the way the market operates. But still, there are a lot of recruitment firms out there because right. fundamentally what we're supposed to be doing is giving the time to a recruitment requirement that the organization just doesn't have 
to do, even big organizations. And sometimes there's going to be um, politics involved inside large organizations, which mean a unit does not want to use an internal recruitment team. Um, you're right, as you mentioned, there may be specialized skills that are very difficult to identify. And so some firms really spend time niching up. But there are also those organizations, which I think of myself as one of those, who become well known for really identifying talent. Mm -hmm. So getting really good at narrowing down to a specific short list of really great people and having a very specific taste in what they, what they define as talent. And I'd like to put myself right there. So we are just great at finding really great people. All right, so great segue basically to what we wanted to talk about today, which is what's your advice to, let's say, aspiring entrepreneurs when they're looking out to find co-founders for themselves? Sometimes people do it because they just want to have a business with their friends. Sometimes they do it because an investor told them, look, this cannot be a one-person shop. But I think you probably have a different view which could lead to more success, I'm mm. guessing. So can you tell us a little bit about your views on that? There's two things I'd advise when it comes to selecting a co-founder or any significant other that's joining your business. Fundamentally, you want to hire somebody different from you. Okay? Right. And what I'm talking about is a cognitive difference, particularly. Right. We all want to hire similarly smart people, although if you can hire somebody smarter than you, fantastic. I'd always advise that. But cognitive difference is really important. What I mean by cognitive difference is somebody from a different social class, somebody from a different nationality, gender. All of those differences offer a different perspective on problem solving. And if you're in a startup situation, you're always trying to solve problems. You're trying to innovate. You're trying to create. And so working with people who have a different view of the world really is a great way to come up with better ideas. And the number two really is very much linked to the first one, but it's remembering that great things happen in tension state, right? Creativity has to happen in a tension state between situations. So let me give you what I mean by that is if you are too safe, that means you're too comfortable, right? You're not going to take risks. If you're too fearful, then also you're, you're too fearful to create and to actually take a risk. So you need to be somewhere in between that enough fear, enough safety. And in that tension is where creativity and innovation takes place. And so between two people, when you have two different ideas and two different perspectives in that tension, is great opportunity for innovation and ideas and solving problems in different ways. So I'd always advise, search someone slightly different to you. And how do you find them systematically? Because a lot of these jobs are done through networking, you know, events, referrals, things like that which obviously leads to lots of biases, I think, and familiarity problems. How do you do this in a systematic way? In recruitment, there is, I have a strap line, which is the art and science of recruitment. That's what exiges are, our main line. And the art and science of recruitment is that there is a methodology to follow. Okay? I have built my business on a methodology right. which is replicable, which basically relies on a large candidate pool delivering you quality candidates. So if you simply put, if you have enough candidates in a candidate pool and you interview and meet enough quality people, 
then you will find the person that you're looking for, right? That's a systematic way to do it. But what you've got to be clear on is what you want, right? So there is a system, there's an Exige system. We look through at Exige 14,500 odd profiles for every search. That creates a long list of 217 candidates. That's our average long list length. We then conduct something like 35 hours of interviews looking through candidates. And then we whittle that down to three to four candidates for a shortlist. Because we know that if you follow a really great process, that you will get enough great candidates to speak to. You then apply your belief, i.e. that you want somebody cognitively different from you. Don't compromise on the qualities of the people that you're looking for. That's a great systematic way to create and give yourself the opportunity to meet the person who's really going to move your business on. I also understand that you've done some research on what constitutes an effective team. So what are the core qualities that you should look for in a team that you would define as effective or efficient? We have basically four values that we search for. Okay, So I think I mentioned it in my last answer there, but four values that we really rely on as guiding principles for what we define as talent. And this has come from you know, 20 years of experience. We see these being highly, these values being correlating highly with outcome of a successful person being designated as talented. Okay, Those are Humility, integrity, assertiveness, and resilience. If you can identify those four main qualities in a person, then we believe they're going to be talent for your organization going forward. I can, of course, add a bit to that. Um, well, I mean, let's dig into this a little bit. Yeah. So you're saying humility. My question would be why? How does that reconcile with the much-needed ambition to grow one's business? If you talk about, okay, a tech startup or something like this, yeah. you know, if it's a business which has other objectives, that's, mm. you know, maybe a, a bit easier. But, um, you know, if I imagine a typical founder from a Hollywood or Netflix uh, TV show mm-hmm. uh, startup or um, Silicon Valley, they don't strike me as very, very much uh, in line with, uh, with humility definition. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, I would say that one of the common misconceptions about humility is means that you lack ambition. Mm-hmm. And I really just don't think that's the case. In fact, I think humility, an ability to put yourself second, is a great quality in a leader. So let me give you an example. Right? Let's take a massive figure, someone like Gandhi. Nobody would say of Gandhi that his ambitions were small. He had huge ambitions for the people of India against huge institutional structures. And he did it with peace, but he was also hugely humble. So humility is definitely important quality, and you can at the same time have a huge ambition. It's just almost this recognition that the company or the mission is more important than you, mm-hmm. right? I'll also say about humility that it's the antidote to the ego. And so if you're in a situation in a company where you've got to learn, you know, you can't learn if you're not prepared to see that your ideas may not be always right, okay? Because to learn something, we have to go through the phases of mastery, right? So we start as a beginner, we go into intermediary, then we go to expert, then we go to mastery, right? We go through these phases. But through that is lots of failure. And if you're not a humble person, prepared to say, I don't know, I don't understand, mm-hmm then there's no chance for you to learn. And so for me, humility is absolutely 
an incredibly important part of learning, incredibly important part of leading, and it's also really is that safeguard against some of the worst excesses of the human condition. Another of the core qualities that you mentioned is integrity. So obviously that's a little bit easier to reconcile with humility, but what do you mean by this? Because in a lot of the firms, when people go through compliance training uh, online every quarter, you know, they become a little bit numb to this, and that's obviously not great. So what's your take on this? You know, by integrity, I mean honesty, credibility, trust. It's important to think of what companies are, first and foremost, right? A company effectively is just a you know, imaginary construct signed onto papers. What a company really is, is a group of people working in a community towards a shared objective. And what communities are built on is trust. Right. You can work effectively with people when you trust them. And so integrity is that direct line into knowing if somebody is going to be an effective part of a community. So you know, when you hire somebody who's got integrity, you're basically making your community stronger. I'd also say for startup companies and early stage organizations, growth stage companies, teams, that they're going to face so many game over moments in their business. And so having somebody they can trust is on their team for the right reasons, that they have credibility. They're not going to be making stupid decisions that are going to really affect the potential of them going on mm. further because they've got you know, just good integrity. They're going to do what they say they're going to do. We find that to be you know, a hugely important quality to look for. The next one, assertiveness. How do you reconcile that one with humility? You kind of mentioned that before, that ambition and humility can go hand in hand, but what's the difference for you between being ambitious and assertive, or is there any difference? Mm. Firstly, I believe assertiveness and humility can live in tandem. It's really important to know that. As I said earlier, you know, humility is about putting the mission before yourself and being prepared to fight to death for that mission. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned with Gandhi, he was prepared to assert his beliefs right. strongly in his mission, but he was an incredibly humble person. Nobody would say that he was not assertive in what he believed. Peaceful protest. When I think of assertive, I, I imagine a quintessential investment banker yeah. uh, yelling, jumping up and down, swearing. That's kind of what I, <laughs> what I meant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I get it. Absolutely, I get it. And um, actually, humility is the antidote to that because what you see in an organization is when people become really assertive about their idea, when it stops being about the team and it's, it's all about them, that's no longer, that's really an ego taking over then, right. right? If you're so assertive that you don't care how it's going to affect the greater organization, then you've stopped being a team member. And so humility, again, if I come back to that, is about remembering that other people can shine, that the mission is more important than you. That's the great antidote to that assertiveness. But, you know, there's two sides to this, right? That people have a responsibility in an organization always to put their hand up as well. So if you're not assertive enough, if you're not prepared to say, I've just seen a mistake in the product or mm -hmm. that issue with compliance, that mistake we're making, that could mean game over for us. Mm -hmm. That's also a failure to the community. So a lack of assertiveness is, is also a problem as too much assertiveness is. We go back to that tension in states. We want to get that right optimal balance. And the job of any great headhunter or selection for you is to make sure you're getting somebody with the right balance of these qualities so they're not going to become a toxic employee.
So lastly, it's resilience. Let's talk about it a little bit because when recruiters, they look at the CVs of uh, employees that worked in big companies, they often want to see that they stayed in a role for, for some time. They, they stayed there for uh, you know, at least a couple of years. In startups, obviously, that's different. There's no indication or no correlation, I think, between if you stay somewhere there for a few years or not, what happened there, you need to find out more about this, right? But also, the startups are learning vehicles. So maybe you found out that it doesn't work, so you should let go. So what's the, what's the line between being resilient and can you be still smart and let go and pivot to do something else? Or are you actually resilient and actually not so smart because you're not learning, you just repeat the same thing and you expect a different result? Yeah, it's a fine balance to strike. Let me define what I mean by resilience because that will help the audience and also help we're on the same page, right? I define resilience as one's ability to remain motivated to act in the face of adversity or change. So the motivation component of that is really important. We would interview for resilience by accessing someone's motivational drivers. And that's going to tell us whether or not that person ultimately is going to be a good fit for the organization and then remain motivated during the course of their role. So that's one how we would interview for it and understand it. Now, back to sort of what you're saying, which is ultimately like, will they be someone that's just almost pig-headed in their determination to keep going yeah. on a subject. Now, you want somebody who's resilient enough to really break through some walls so they don't just give up at the first. But equally, when somebody keeps going, even when it's clear that there's a problem, it's less about them, less about the team, and it's more about their ego. Yeah. And that's again where humility comes in. You want to have somebody who's prepared to go, actually, you know what? I need to stop, and I need to try a different direction. So that resilience is really helpful if it's going in the right way, but when it's not, you've got to hire people who have the ability to recognize that they're supposed to be adding to the team and to the company. It's not about their personal mission. So that's what we're saying, that you can have highly resilient people. And as a leader, your job in an organization is to get those highly resilient people and keep them healthy, keep them going in the right direction. Say, hey, look, I think we tried this long enough. Right. Let's try a different direction. And, you know, because highly resilient people can also be a risk of burnout as well. They can be type A guys, girls who just keep going and going and going and forget to look after themselves. How do you interview for resilience? I mean, do you have people running around the track um, or, uh, you know, and if they, if they don't uh, give up uh, within the first three hours, it's good. Otherwise, uh, they're out or how does that work? Well, I've just added that to my interview routine now, <laughs> really. So thank you for that advice. That's uh, one I want to use. But how we've been doing it in a more traditional way so far is that ultimately, you know, as I said before, really, resilience is one's ability to remain motivated to act right, in the face of change or adversity. So what we're going to do is use that word motivation and look to access really what feeds their motivational fire even when it's raining, right? We know how that person is motivated. It's a great direct line to if they're going to be resili resilient. So we start that by asking, why are you leaving your current organization? Because once we understand what's missing from their current role or their current opportunity, we can get a sense of really what does drive them positively. So... We'll spend a bit of time. Um, we won't accept, by the way, it's my boss. I hate my boss because it's not actually their boss. 
It's what their boss is not letting them do, which is the problem and the value to us, the valuable information. So we'll really seek what's missing in the role. So are they somebody who's really motivated by learning? Are they somebody who wants to change the world through impact? They need a bit more power to get things done. Once we can understand that, then we can really match them with our job. Does our job or opportunity really directly link with what motivates them? Because that's a great indicator of resilience. Then I'm going to ask them some situational questions. Secondly, which will be about my, my favorite question, if anybody wants to use this, is tell me about a failed project or client relationship and what you did to remain positive in the face of that. And that situational questions are very good to see ways of how somebody behaves. And we'll ask some follow-up questions on that. Then, finally, I look to ask a health and well-being question. So do you have some type of practice? You know, this would be something like what in your life helps you stay healthy and relaxed during times of pressure? Because people who have a practice will always be more resilient to what comes next, okay? And what I'm looking for is someone who's doing sort of meditation, exercise, and has some type of philosophy, be that spiritual or otherwise. If you've got those three pillars in place, they tend to be someone who's going to be more resilient to what comes next. Yeah. Right. Okay, understood. So if I were to recap, I understand for the co-founders, you should look for diversity in their cognitive approach or cognitive skills. Mm. In terms of effective teams, you are looking for humility, integrity, assertiveness, and resilience. And if you have all this, then we'll have a unicorn, right? <laughs> you have a real potential for future talent, someone who can stick with you for a long time. All right, fair enough. My last question would be, where can interested parties reach you and what kind of people would be the most relevant for you? Interested people can reach me at exegeinternational.com as our website. Um, my most so active social network is LinkedIn. So you can find me, William Leighton, on LinkedIn. I'm on there. Or good old-fashioned email. So they can email me on william at exegeinternational.com. As I said earlier, look, we're really interested in fintech, insurtech, or innovation units of big legacy financial institutions. We've recently also created our training program called Found, which is all about teaching hiring managers, founders of organizations, how to recruit their dream team. So we teach all the principles that I've lined out here and much more so that they can own their own recruitment process and have a highly dependable methodology of finding talent. And um, I want to also extend sort of a special offer to the listeners of Voice of Fintech. If you're interested in Found and if you send us a note saying that you heard it, heard about us here on Voice of Fintech, we'll give you a 20% discount on the course. And I'm also going to give you some free couple of reports that we have on some of the principles here that we've outlined today. So, Okay, well, great. Thank you, William.